Good evening, morning, afternoon. Welcome back to another episode of the Interleague Podcast. Recorded on Monday, 8-15, episode 96. We'll talk about our normal things today. I'm just not going to lie to you, you know. You're here to talk about what we normally talk about, then you're here to listen to the correct things because that's what we're going to talk about. You know, it's, is what it is. There's nothing else more you can say, really. Spags, what's going on, buddy? Anything you can say about it? Um, times are tough. Okay. That was like that was kind of last week's dark days. Yeah, times oh, haven't got really better. Days, hey, of episode two yeah case part two that's yeah. what this episode's called no no i like i'm gonna try to turn a new leaf oh, i'm gonna tr- change it i'm gonna try to uh oh did you add a name no i didn't it's okay. just, just chasing history yeah i just i just came up with that name when i was like what what do i really want to talk about tonight <laughs> all i want to do is talk about aaron judge brother no, not, not just not just aaron judge oh there's yeah, yeah. There's some history on, on the Cardinal side to discuss as well. Drew, speaking of, and then I was thinking about it the other day that <clears throat> maybe you shouldn't have canceled your uh, your senior rolling tickets because the closer it gets to 700, I think the more games we'll get to. You know? I think he's like three away. Well, you like try to go to as many of those games as possible. Probably get there. It would cost you $40 to find out. But. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, maybe, and I think I, I always can. About it the other day. I think I always can re-sign up if I really want to. But yeah, so you can. But the only thing I was thinking if they would get an influx of people trying to do that. But I, then I guess you could just buy bleacher seats and then go wherever. Yeah, but I just figure like seats will probably be hard to come by. As if those if games. he starts to get closer, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I 100% agree. Um, it's also the possibility that we could look at like just buying up bleacher seats and then as it gets closer, sell them. <laughs> but there's always the risk that there's always the risk that it may not happen. Um, it's also like 50, 50, whether or not he's going to play, but we'll, we'll get into all that. Cause like I said, something that I, I want to discuss and it's a, it's a good topic, but we can get the, we can get the shit out of the way first. Yeah. I mean, we got two shit topics. Today. Yeah. So I figure we'll just, we'll just knock out fantasy <clears throat> real quick. Cause no. I don't, I don't think there's much to dwell on right now i don't want to i i hate you know like groundbreaking yeah fantasy uh yeah like it's uh you know as it stands right now i mean like your your team sold you know you uh you added a good keeper option you added some you picked up some draft picks you parted with a good keeper option yeah like you you made some moves to try to better yourself for next season and not break the bank you know this season and you lost a fairly close game. I mean, 30 points, 40 points isn't too bad um, over the course of seven days. You know, a couple, you know, five, six points and, here or there. And I ended up losing a start. Strider ended up, like, not getting a start at the end of the week. He's double started this week now because of it, but I don't know why he didn't start on Sunday. Yeah, so, I mean, you obviously not, not the outcome you were hoping for, but, you know, really at this point, you're not, you know, as long as you're not bottom points, it's a W. Yeah, I'm playing spoiler. You know? Yeah. So you're you're trying to, to break things off. Um, 
it'll it's interesting because I don't know. So I I haven't really figured out what's going to happen with Steve uh, as an owner. So, you know, um, obviously he hasn't set his lineup all year. He hasn't really been active. He hasn't done anything. So I'm assuming he won't be back next season, and that's fine. But I was hoping we would just make it through the 25 weeks with there being no times of him finishing top or bottom score. And then I wouldn't have to worry about like him paying in money or, you know, getting paid out money. But last week he finished with the bottom point score. So I was like, oh, crap. Like now I got to have this five bucks come from somewhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's budget that right into your budget right into yourself. So. Yeah, so five extra bucks for uh, long care this week. Yeah, so the uh, so worst case scenario, like if I if I just don't feel like dealing with it, I picked up top points last week, so I'm like I can just take away my top points, and yeah, a... it would, but it would just be like me paying the five bucks for Steve to not have to hassle with it. Um. So we'll see. Really, I'm just hoping that, uh, you know, if he, like, finishes top points some week somehow, I don't think he will, but if he does in some way, you know, then it negates itself, and then I don't care. But uh, but we'll see. Um, yeah, so top points, um, I think both guys I got from you came up big. Like Presley had like 18 points, which is a pretty strong week for reliever. Um, I also brought in Turner. Turner had 20 and a half points, but Kyle Tucker, 45 and a half point week, man. Yep. Like sure. definitely uh, coming up big, keeper eligible, really uh, really working out. Um, but not only that, so obviously, you know, like it was like. You're playing spoiler. You're trying not to finish bottom score. You're sitting at six and 12 now, but your record really doesn't matter. You know, you have consolation bracket. You'll have the rumble that you're playing for trying to make the best of a shitty situation just to maybe get a little bit of money back for a long season. Um, but for me, like I've been trying to reel in Travis and John really for like the last like five weeks, I feel like that it's been like me just being a couple games back, needing to keep win, keep win, keep winning. Um, and I got to the point where it was, yeah. Cause like I was seven and six. Um, and now I've rattled off like five wins in a row and finally caught Travis and we're a game behind John. And like, I've also beat John playing Travis this week. But I assumed that because Travis really didn't have a tough schedule that it would be like, okay, if I can beat Travis, we'll tie in record, but I'll need to catch him in points four being the first tiebreaker. But I was like 250 points behind him. So I was like, all right, well, I got to outscore him by 50 points every week through these last five weeks um, and beat him. And then I can catch him for moving up the, the division standings. But he lost last week to a team he definitely shouldn't have lost to. Definitely shouldn't have lost to. <laughs> you know, it's a team that's like six and twelve now. Um, are sorry, they're seven and eleven now. They've won like 
I think Coates has won two weeks in a row. Um, I forget who else he played spoiler on, maybe. Um, but on top of that, so I, I caught him in record with my win, but I outscored him by 100 points. So, like, I cut that point dif- nice. points for differential down to, like, 150. So, it's like, 147 going into this week. But now him and I playing this week, if I beat him, I'm just in front of him straight up. It's like if I if my team just handles business, you know, through these last four weeks, like I can just sneak into the top two. Um, and Coates playing spoiler again, playing John this week, he's up by like 30 early. So if and like I have tiebreaker on John by like 220 points. So he would have to outscore me by like 60 points a week to catch me. Um, and that, that's a tall order, I think. Um, so I could be pressing, like finding myself in a situation where I'm, you know, pushing for top spot, like number one seed in the league, win some division winnings money, which I've never done. I've never even been a top seed. I've never finished top two in a division. So that's just what I'm shooting for. I have two championships. But I've never finished first or second in a division. Yeah, you're the- you're the Cardinals, then, you know. Well, the, Car- the, the Cardinals always win their division. <laughs> well, just, yeah. I guess not, not always, but... It, You're just not supposed to win it, you know? Yeah, like, I'm, yeah, I I just right. get there. Hello? Yep. Oh. Um got there it sounds like yeah so it so fingers crossed things just keep going the right direction you know we could could be there um i started to look at with like four weeks to go i kind of broke down playoff picture into a couple of things like previously we've just been talking about like where the playoff cutoff line is um and i still have that like it's nine and nine there's two teams tied for eighth at nine and nine and then a couple teams at eight and 10, seven, 11 and six and 12. So even though we're talking about like, you're oh, not really no. looking playoffs, but if you put together some wins, like you could technically get there, uh, it would be tough. And to, mathematically, I don't know how possible it is because I don't know who plays who or whatnot. So some people have to win. Um, but right now, you know, you're three games back of a playoff spot with four weeks to play. So technically could get in. Um, but so I was looking at it and I was like, okay, let's break it down for like who's in the playoffs and who's out of the playoffs. And I came up with kind of like three monikers essentially. Um, so if you've clinched, you know, playoff spot, simple enough, mathematically guaranteed to be in the playoffs. Um, if you're eliminated, mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. Um, winning in means if you just win this week, you lock up a playoff spot. Don't, doesn't matter what anyone else does. If you win, you clinch, um, lose and go home. If you lose, doesn't matter what else happens. You're out. Can no longer mathematically make the playoffs. Um, and then, uh, like the verge of, which is like the verge of getting in means you need to win and you need some help. Or you would have to lose and then have, I don't know the word for it, some non-help. <laughs> like people don't help you out. So the people you need to lose don't. 
Um, but so as it stands, like going into this week with four weeks left, we don't have anyone that's clinched a playoff spot. Uh, John's the only person that can win an in. Um, and then Adam Stow, who's leading the other division. And then me and Travis are both on, like the three of us are on the verge of clinching a playoff spot. Uh, so essentially we would need to win and Travis or myself will because we're facing each other. Well, I guess we could tie, but odds are someone's going to win. Um, and then uh, I think it's the Audrain brothers, Nick and Robbie are both nine and nine. So we would need both of them to lose um, in order for us to guarantee a playoff spot. Cause then at that point we would be four point like, or no, I guess we need one of them to lose. Um, Cause then the, the ninth seeded team would have 10 losses and we would be at six losses with only three weeks left to play. So worst thing that could happen to us is we drop to eighth place, which is still in the playoffs. So we just need one of the nine and nine teams to lose and us to win. And we're in on the flip side. Um, only Pope has been eliminated. Who's last place in the league, obviously at four and 14. Um, no one has a lose and go home situation. And then it's you and Steve that are on the verge of being eliminated. Um, well, my closer blew a save tonight for negative 11 points. <laughs> Is that Montero? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, I was like, ooh. Uh, I was like, how do I keep losing massive amount of points? Oh, oh yeah, that's how. I was like, Got it. Pre- Presley might get <laughs> might get that save opportunity. And then I was like, oh, Chicago tied the game. And then I was like, oh, that was off Montero. Like, I sorry. broke up the duo and Montero lost his mojo. Yep. <sighs> you know, what are you going to do? Do? Yeah, let's try to tough it out, man. Just shoot for not bottom points. Drive like a spoiler. Yeah, um, I just have to look at new relief pitching next week. You know, that's all. <laughs> you know, at least one new guy. You know. Right. I'll, I'll find a guy. I've been good on the waiver wire all year. I'll find a guy. Yeah. Um. I mean, look at Waka. I mean, greatest pitcher of the year, probably. <laughs> shut down. Stud you last know, night. Best offense. Best yeah. offense in the game. Stud last night, but everyone's shutting down that offense right now. They got yeah. shut out again tonight i almost texted you last night but then i was like yeah i'll just leave it alone um, yeah i mean by the time you probably really got around to that, texting me the game was over yeah but it was two really hours and that, 15 minutes yeah sure walker's just uh, carving them up yeah since i picked up waka i mean i've just been talking about it. when he actually pitches it's just been so fucking good you know yeah i know don't get me wrong like, boston's a good team like i like i understand they are in last place in the al east but they're two games below 500 like they floated above 500 for a really long time. Like they've, you know, they essentially have just been on the losing end. I mean, you sent me the little Reddit feed that with the win last night, it was their first series win against an AL East opponent all year. I mean, they said AL opponent, but that's not accurate. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was their first win against an AL East opponent, so they were just getting cannibalized by the teams in their division, and that makes it really easy to be below 500 when you're losing majority of the series you play. But you're playing against good teams. Like, when all four other teams are fighting for a playoff spot, I mean, I think Tampa Bay is currently in fourth in the division. They might be a half game in front of Baltimore. Uh, Toronto, who's in second, they got beat up by Baltimore. I think they lost three out of four to Baltimore last week. 
Um, yeah, it's just a really good division right now. And teams are playing good baseball. And that's the way it goes. I mean, even with this loss, the Yankees have just been atrocious over the last month and a half. Um, yeah, I got to try to hold on to, like, the, the silver linings that are there. I mean, they're still up by 10 games in the AL East, even with the loss tonight with Toronto losing. Still up by 10 games. Um, Houston's already caught them, but... They're probably not going to get caught by Cleveland, I think, is who's leading the Central. Let me let me go look. Um, yeah, so Cleveland is ten and a half games back. So odds are they're able to hold that off. So if, as long as they finish in the top two, they get that wild card series by, and they get to go straight into the divisional series. Um, and if they finish in the second seed, they would get the, the three, six matchup winner. Cause the idea is that, like they don't reseed in baseball. And so if the upper seeds win, one would play four, two would play three. Um, so if that does happen, it would be Cleveland and currently, Tampa Bay that would face off and the the Yankees would get the winner of that series you know and then the other series right now would be Seattle and Toronto so it's not like um, with Houston being the the top team in the AL so it's not like it's uh, easy pickings any way you cut it so it's like oh man if they were the one seed they would have this way easier matchup I mean Tampa Bay or Toronto, Seattle, like those are both two pretty formidable teams. Seattle just took four out of six from you in the last week and a half. You know, Castillo and Gilbert is a one-two. It's pretty nasty. Um, and that team hits. So what what can you do? Uh, you know, I feel like it's, you know, it's similar pictures painting up, you know, with like for the Cardinals, for example. I mean, like, Yep, I fully intend on them running away with the Central, which is fine. But they probably aren't going to catch the Dodgers. They probably aren't going to catch the Mets. And the, the Cardinals are currently 16 and a half games behind the Dodgers. And they're currently 11 and a half games behind the Mets with 50 games to play. So it's just a tall order to ask them to close it in. So... You pretty much know, all right, if you win the Central, odds are you're probably taking on San Diego or, like, maybe Philadelphia, maybe Milwaukee. But I don't think I don't think Milwaukee will keep up with those other teams. You know, and Atlanta, they're at, they're, they're going to win again tonight. They're seventh in a row. Um... So, the, I mean, I guess technically they could catch the Mets, but if they catch the Mets, you're not catching the Braves then. Um, then you just have the Mets yeah, yeah, to worry gonna, about. And they're the going to get a division winner and a wild card. Out of that oh, they'll probably get two. Like, yeah. I, I, like our three teams total, I think two wild cards will come from there. Because uh, the Phillies are just playing really good baseball, 
and the Phillies are the only team with an easier schedule remaining than the Cardinals, and they're supposed to be getting Harper back in like a week. So, like, yeah, but as soon as you get Harper back, you start losing again. And, possibly, know. I definitely yeah. definitely could happen. Um, they're also like Schwarber. I get he's terrible, but he's also currently hurt. Um, so I think if the Phillies yeah, horrible hitter does not hit the home run. Yeah, so I think if uh, yeah, I think if the Phillies get healthy, um. I think they have the pitching to do fine, like with adding Syndergaard, you know, Nola, Gibson, uh, Syndergaard, um, Wheeler, Eflin. Like, they they have pretty solid one through five now. Uh, so, yeah, so I, so I think you're starting to, to see kind of where things are going to shape up. And I think the Cardinals just know that you're going to host three games in three days, you know, best of three could just be two days, but you're, you're probably getting a wildcard team and the wildcard team that you're getting probably is going to have a similar, if not better record than what you have as the Cardinals. And not that that matters, like, you know, it's still in Bush and the Cardinals play great at Bush. Like they're a much better team at home than they are on the road. Um, they have one of the better home records in baseball. <clears throat> so I think that they'll be formidable. Um, and then you're looking at, you know, Wayno, Michaelis, and I, probably Monty would be my decision. They could go with Hudson. Um, I think you might also benefit from, like, throwing Monty in game two. Like, you know, if you go, like, Wayno, Monty, Michaelis, um, something like that. Who knows? But they have they have options now. Yeah, I have options now. That's huge. Yeah, so I I think you're you know you're like they've they've already beaten up on San Diego and swept them earlier this year. Yes, it was not the Juan Soto Josh Bell San Diego, um, but. There's some confidence there, you know, like you, you've at least seen it and you've beat them. You know, you have that uh, to hone in on. Um, Phillies have been tough. Atlanta's been tough. Uh, so I, I, I think, you know, same. And the NL, same as the AL. I think any way you cut it, it's not a one and done. There's not just, all right, let's, let's, jump on the backs of Wayno for one game and then we'll get to best of five. It's not, it's not at that level. Um, and I think any way you, like any way you cut it, it's going to be a tough matchup. And I think any way you cut it and the divisional series for every team, I think the eight teams that are there, it's going to be difficult. Like no matter what, like there isn't a layup option. Like, the parity in baseball exists at like the top and bottom. So like there are probably 12 to 14 good teams. Um, and those are going to be the ones that make up the playoffs. So it's, you know, you're not going to get a, you know, you can easily cut out like Colorado, Arizona, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, the Cubs, Washington, Miami, seven teams from the NL, gone, easy. You're not going to see those teams. 
So now you have eight teams fighting for six playoff spots. Um, and then the AL, it's similar, you know, maybe not as bad, um, but you can cut out Detroit, you can cut out Kansas City, cut out Oakland, cut out LA, cut out Texas. So it's really five teams there. So you have like 10 teams fighting for six playoff spots. Um, and it's like when you get to that point, like the the Red Sox would be the next one on that list. And they're four and a half games out of a wild card spot. Um, whereas like doing the same thing that I just did, like you have San Francisco at that point would be the next on the list, and there are six games out of a wildcard spot. You know, but you have, just at a quick glance, like the seven teams that I listed, all of them are du- double-digit games out of a wildcard spot. It's like not even, really not even sniffing anything close to that with 50 games to go. So you're just like, all right. Take, uh, uh, San Diego Padres meltdown. Style meltdown, not specifically them, but right. Another they, yes, they would have to. They would have to fall apart for sure quickly. And again, like you're, you're probably then looking at it being like, it's like Milwaukee, San Francisco, maybe Arizona. That's talking about playing spoiler, but to make up ten games in fifty day, like in fifty games, you're talking about picking up a game every other series on teams that are playing above 500 baseball. So you, you either have to play like outside of yourself or they really have to fall apart. Um, and on top of that, like one of the teams that you're chasing is, you know, going to win a division. So like either St. Louis or Milwaukee are going to win the division. If, you know, maybe they both fall off hard, but one of them still going to win the division. <laughs> so, I don't think the Cubs are going to catch anybody. But yeah, so I I think it'll, you know, like the, the pennant race, I think um, the playoff picture, all of that, obviously I think it just cheapens a bit with there being two extra teams that make the playoffs. But it'll come down to how vital that opening series is. Um, winning in two games just go like it's such a big deal versus having to play three. Um, they came out with the playoff schedule, and I know I kind of mentioned it to you because um, you were I think you shared something and they were talking about that, like to cut down on travel days. days. Yeah, they, yeah, they removed the travel day between game four and game five in the divisional series and game five and game six in the LCS. But on the ALDS side, they added an off day between games one and two um, because they didn't want to have a day where there were no games. So, and the so like the the wild card series, every series starts on the seventh of October, and then they play the seventh, eighth, and ninth. Are games one, two, and three game game three if necessary. Then everyone gets an off day. And then every divisional series starts on the 11th. So play 7th, 8th, and 9th. Everyone has a 10th off. Everyone starts game one on the 11th. So for the Cardinals, for example, they play 7, 8, 9. Let's just say, for simplicity, it's Wayno, Michaelis, Mani. 
It goes three games. They advance. So Wayno pitches on the seventh. Off day, he you know he's off the eighth, ninth, the tenth. So he could pitch game one on three days rest, or you you're starting as the Cardinals your fourth starter for game one. You know against another team's ace. Like say they're going against the Mets. Like now you're looking at like Hudson or Quintana versus Scherzer. Now you can come back the next night, game two, you get Wayno on full rest, um, on like a normal four days rest, and then they get their off day, and then, you know, off to the races. Like now everything's back in order. Like, but you just if you go three days, like three games, you have to use that fourth starter. Um, and the same for for the AL. But on the AL side, they have that day off between games one and game two where the NL doesn't. So if you, as an NL pitcher, as an NL team, if you have Wayno come back and pitch on three days rest, well, then you have your ace go on short rest. Then you have to use a, you know, like your four starter for game two. Or you have to throw your game two starter from the wildcard series on short rest again. And the AL doesn't have to do that. Like, they could start their ace on short rest, then they get another off day, and they get their number two back on normal rest for game two. And you can get your number, your ace, back for game five on normal rest. So you still get two starts out of your ace, and you get all of your other guys on normal rest. So, like, what the, so the downfall is they just had to play another series? Like, there's no detriment to their rotation at all? Like, and it just seems like it's in like that schedule impacts the NL so much more than the AL because of that additional off day that the NL doesn't get. Yeah, but the Cardinals took extra off days during COVID, though. So, <laughs> true, it, it, true, it comes around and it, it all comes around. And, and again, like, I'm just using the Cardinals as an example, but insert, insert any other team in that wild card series that maybe they don't even have the pitching depth that the Cardinals currently do, you know, or maybe you're just not a believer that the Cardinals have pitching depth and Quintana and Monty have just been fortunate enough to go against teams performing subpar, you know, like I get Monty had the start against the Yankees, but everyone looks good against the Yankees right now. They were just shut out in back-to-back games. Like they've been shut out like four times in the last eight games, something like that. It's ridiculous. So maybe it's just they're bad right now. <clears throat> you know, so it just it it seems weird to me that this is the the setup. Um and I get that like because of that, like if a series goes five games on both sides, you have an extra off day. Um, or no, you don't even because the NLCS starts the day before the ALCS starts because they don't want to have um, they don't want to have days yeah. off where there's no games being played if they can avoid it. Um, so they have games scheduled every day, and so because of that, like the AL just got the benefit. And I just want to be like, if anything, that extra day off, like maybe. Maybe that's why it's slated that way, because the Dodgers have the best record in baseball, so the benefits should go to them. Like, that's their advantage, is the wild, like the NL wildcard teams don't have that extra day off because they have the best record. 
but they've announced the schedule. So like that could change. Like the Dodgers could go five and five at a point and the Yankees pass them or the Astros catch them. Like things could happen. So that's not the way it's set up. So like, I think something like that, like there's gotta be a better, like a more relevant way to earn that versus, you know, Manfred just decided <laughs> that, that this is what's going to be like it. Cause it's, to me, it seems extremely unfair. Like, it is a big detriment. Like, it is quite impactful to have an extra day off at the beginning of a series. And that day off, the NL doesn't even get. Like, they play game one, game two, travel day before game three, game three, game four, game five. And the AL, it's game one, day off, game two, day off, game three, game four, game five. So they still get their two days off. There's at the beginning, and then I only gets one. So I don't know how that's fair. I don't know who came up with that. But it's like advantageous to the top NL teams, and a disadvantage to the wild card. So it kind of screws like both of our teams. It's like the Cardinals get the shit end on being on the NL side. And the Yankees get the shit end by being in the upper echelon on the AL side. So I'm like, well, this is just dumb. Can we reverse this? Gotta mess up. Yeah, gotta can, mess up. yeah. Can we, uh, can we swap these leagues, please? Let our guys get the advantages at least. Um, and I guess you know Manfred you can make the argument just just winning too. Yeah. You think Manfred what? He just likes to get hated on. And and I don't even know that it's his decision, but as commissioner, I think he had a say in it. Yeah, you gotta imagine someone like ran it down and was like, hey, if we do it this way, listen, this is how it's gonna be. And or it wasn't presented to him well enough and he was just like, Oh, okay. Right. And and I imagine it's probably not even that like they don't want days off. It's that if they don't have days off, because all the games will be televised, but you they don't want to be unfair to a team and have their team play like in the divisional series for a day game when there's four, four games going on that day. Yeah. You know, where it's like, Oh, it's, uh, you know, Atlanta and the Braves facing off in the divisional series. Like this would be a good series, but we're going to put them at a three o'clock start time. Every, every time they play, because we have four games every time they play. If the Yankees and the Cardinals, since they'll play on alternating days, if they both play like the latest game possible, I'm going to lose my shit. Well, so the the Cardinals probably won't because they will be they will likely match yeah, up the with Dodgers, the Mets so. most yeah, likely be the Dodgers, being the three so. seed. Yeah, they would get the two seed if they advance. So it'd likely be the Mets or the Braves, which are East Coast teams. Um, the Yankees, it would be dependent on when that happens. Um. So let's just say, like, if it stays the way that it is now, Houston 1, Yankees 2, and then it would be Cleveland 3, Tampa Tampa 6, yeah, Toronto 4, Seattle 5, Tampa 6. So it would be either Cleveland or Tampa. So I would assume that it often wouldn't be that case, but it would really be the Dodgers would be primary yeah they're always going to get that nine o'clock game yeah and then i would assume that the cardinals may get 
may get the may get a later start in the wild card series because like if it finished the way it is right now, you'd have Atlanta and Philly, and then you would have St. Louis and San Diego. Um, so with it being a West Coast team, even though all the games will be in St. Louis, it'll probably be more like uh, you know, probably like 5 p.m. start time East Coast time. It's like four o'clock start here. Um, for the first game with the Cardinals Padres starting at like 7.30 here. And so it'd be like 5.30 on the West Coast. It's like everyone getting out of work and whatnot would be my assumption uh, for those for those series. <clears throat> um, yeah. So like I said, though, Yankees not playing good. They had at Seattle, and then they played uh, at Boston. Acceptable outcome was win both series. They lost two out of three for both series. Rough They going. played Seattle at home or in Seattle? Uh, in Seattle this time. Okay. Yeah, so... Yeah, it, they... Seattle's been playing good baseball, for sure. Mm-hmm. I just I forgot if it was at home. Uh, yeah, they... Yeah, they've... Have lost a couple recently, but yeah, I, I mean they're 62 That's and 54, bad. like they're in back in the playoff hunt. And I think when that when those series started, like Seattle had kind of been slipping. Um, I mean they went out and made trades, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, two and and both of those series they faced uh, Castillo, Logan Gilbert. And then uh, Castillo and Logan Gilbert both made a start in each of the series. The first series, they also faced Robbie Ray. And then I forget who the other starter was that they faced. It was like their number five before Castillo. So it was like Castillo and Gilbert were like the last two games in that other series. Um, Yeah, so you played them six times and you faced their top three pitchers in five of those six games. And you, and you lost pretty close games. Yeah. But whatever. Um, and then Boston, you got Eovaldi, um, and they got Waka and then they got, you know, kind of a blah starter in the middle game. And that's the game that he's won. Not in, overly convincing fashion, but they won it. Um, so tough, tough pitchers, you know, um, Cardinal series, they got Wayno, they got Monty, um, and they got, I think Hudson started the other one. Uh, maybe I forget who started game one. I think it was Hudson. So, and I'm pretty sure they, I'm pretty sure when they lost the series to Cincinnati, they also faced Luis Castillo. <laughs> so, it it just, it hasn't been good. Um, not getting the results. Um, and, and really, it's just like, they're not getting the results the way that they were before. Like, they are 22 and 18 and one run games. Um, so, they've played a ton of close games. Those of of those eighteen losses, eleven of those one run losses have come since July first. 
And with the bullpen like right now, we're shaky, right? Um, yeah, like Holmes definitely hasn't been as good. Uh, Chad Green out for the year. Michael King out for the year. Um, Chapman was hurt. Uh, Britain's still hurt. So it's like you're, you know, like um, Miguel Castro hurt. <laughs> so like they have like five relatively big pieces that aren't aren't really healthy at the moment. Um, and then home starting to struggle. So it's just closing out those games has been a little rough. Um, they haven't been scoring in extra innings. They haven't been scoring um, in general. Uh, haven't really been hitting home runs as of late. But they're still 72 and 43. Like, yep, I get that they're, you know, they, they've been arguably one of the worst teams record-wise in baseball since the All-Star break or since the beginning of July, really. Um, but, I mean, they're they still second-best record in the AL. If you were to tell me that this is where they would be going into the final 50 games, like, hey, you're 10 games up in the division. You're within earshot of the Astros for the best record in the AL. Um, the Dodgers are the only team really pulling away from you. Yeah, I like. Yeah, I'll take it. Like, I'm okay with this from where they have been. So, and uh, um, Stanton's rehabbing, coming back to the lineup soon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Probably another week or so. Um, Rizzo oh, just came back. Stanton closes in on returns. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh. Rizzo just came back dealing with the back injury. Um, Torres has just been struggling. I think they got to get him out of the middle of the lineup. Uh, Carpenter went down with an injury. Um, I think Hicks is hurt again. Um, Donaldson really hasn't been performing as of late, but again, like you're, there's all those additional pressures put on these guys. Uh, Ben and took a bit to get going. Um, and he's been, and they're all like, Hey, so, we traded so. for an injured player. So fuck it. I can be yeah. injured too. Yeah. Bader hurt. Um, so it's like, if this team gets back to being healthy, then I think they're in a good spot. I mean, like the big question mark that I had was like, if Severino can come back and pitch this year and then how good Domingo Herman would be. Uh, Herman's been great. He's been real solid in each of his last couple starts. Um, Cole looked great tonight. Like really shouldn't have gave up the one run that he did. Uh, it was just a misplayed fly ball. So tough break bullpen gave up three runs in the ninth. So they lost by four instead of it just being like a one run loss. Cause they didn't get shit done in the ninth anyway. Um, so yeah, it's like, they're not, they're not getting blown out. They just aren't winning. You know? And like, that's, that's the only thing I can say about it. Like, uh, one of the things I looked at for them, um, you know, that like they, you know, they have three against Tampa Bay and then four against Toronto all at home this week. So their schedule doesn't get any easier, but if they can bounce back and win the next two against Tampa Bay, I split with Toronto even or take three out of four from Toronto and you get your, your division lead, like right back up to like 12, 13 games. Like you're, you're golden. Like they're in a great spot, you know, with, you know, at that point, probably closer to 40 games left. I think there's like what they're, they've played 115 games. So they have 47 games left. So if these next six, if they can go like five and one over these next six games, you know, and they extend their lead again and you're up 12, 13 games with 40 games to play, they're in great shape. Like they can just probably coast into winning the division at that point. 
Like at that, like at that point, you're just hoping Cleveland doesn't catch you. It's the only thing you're really worried about that can become detrimental. Um, but they're still like, you know, they've won 26 out of 37 series on the year, or they've had acceptable outcomes from us. 26 out of 37 series, um, which is still like 70%. Like that's good numbers. It just has been shit lately. <laughs> um, and the Cardinals. Yeah, you'd like them. I mean, they got some time, but you would like them to start, you know, kinking it in. But I mean, they got some injuries. They've got right. three other bullpen. So better to figure it out right now. And then, you know, in 45 games, start being like, where the fuck did it go? Right. Yeah. And I, I crunched the numbers like, and I just talked about, it's like the close losses. Um, I talked about it a bit last week and just kind of glanced at it and we talked through it. So I actually like calculated out some numbers. So with tonight, since July 1st, the Yankees have lost 23 games. I don't know how many games they've played, but they're below 500 for sure. But they've lost 23 games. Of those 23 games, 20 of them have been what I would consider close losses, which are three runs or less. Within within those 20 games, um, five of them were by three runs, four of them were by two, and 11 of them were by one run. So it's like, all right, like you've been right there in a lot of these games. Yeah, you know, like if things bounce a little differently, you know, if you come up with that timely hit on one occasion, you know, it's the difference between a win and a loss and half of these losses. Um, of the three games that weren't close, one was tonight where they gave up three runs in the ninth. So it was one nothing going into the ninth. Uh, but they lost by four. They lost another game by four, and they lost one game by five. Um, and so I used a team that's been playing fairly well, you know, recently. But so in that same stretch, like just looking at the Cardinals, the Cardinals since July 1st have lost 17 games. So they went through their bad stretch where they lost three out of four to Atlanta, and I think they got swept by somebody, and like they lost series to Philly, and like they lost their series to Cincinnati. All that good shit. So they they went through their bad stretch as well. But so since July 1st, the Cardinals have lost 17 games. Um, and six of those 17 games were by four or more runs. And only four of them were by one. So roughly the same amount of losses. Like if you if you remove the three games that the Cardinals had, that they swept the Yankees, it's like remove the head-to-head, it's... 20 losses for 17 losses in that time frame. Um, so it's not not drastically different records, but the Yankees have lost so many more close games. Um, they all count the same. A loss is a loss, but it's like, all right, like they're right there. And I think the difference in like maybe not a run a game, but maybe a run every couple games is the difference between like Rizzo being healthy, Stanton being healthy, uh, Donaldson and you know Torres not disappearing at the plate, Carpenter being healthy. I'd like to think that like the Yankees fielding their one through nine like they intended is worth a a couple runs through a stretch of you know call it forty games since the beginning of July. Like I'd like to think that so. Maybe they're closer to slightly above 500 rather than slightly below 500. Maybe they're, you know, 
22 and 18, you know, through those 40 games versus, you know, 15 and 25. But it's like, all right, got to find a way to win these games, though. Pitching okay. Like, very rarely do the Yankees give up a ton of runs when they were losing these games. It's like four to nothing, three to nothing, four to one, two to nothing, you know, three to two, yeah. one nothing. Nah. <laughs> now every now all of a sudden everyone is uh, Jordan Montgomery who can't get run support. Right, right. And everyone is Joey Gallo. Yep. <laughs> yeah, we trade we trade away Monty, we trade away Gallo, and their problems just multiply tenfold within the team. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. That's exactly what happened. Um, yeah. So silver linings. Like I I think that they are still capable of winning games. I think oh, they're right, still too. a very good team. Like. It is dark days because they aren't getting W's, but it's there. It's just frustrating. Um, and like I said, chasing history, um, you know, or for, for judge, not really chasing history. Cause I don't think there's a chance in hell. He sniffs anywhere near the top home runs. Like he's not going to get close to 70. Um, but really it's like chasing ghosts, uh, trying to catch Ruth and Maris. So the AL record is still 61. Um, everyone that's broke it since then has been in the NL. Um, but there's also, um, I and I don't know enough of like I'm sure like McGuire or Bonds broke Ruth straight up, but on the AL side, some people still view the home run record as Ruth at 60 because he did it in a hundred like in a 154 game season. And 61, when Maris hit his 61, it was the first year that they went to 162 games. Um, And he didn't hit, like, I think it was like game one. Yeah, so it was like 155 that Maris hit 59. uh, Game 159 that he hit 60. And then it was in game 162 that he hit number 61 to break the record. So it legitimately took him like all eight extra games. If he would have, if they would have stopped at 154, he only would have had 58 home runs and Ruth's record still would be there. Um, so Judge is sitting at 46 home runs right now um, through the Yankees' first 115 games. And Maris hit 46 at 118. So he's like slightly above that pace. Um, but he would need to pick up 15 home runs. And the next, what, 39 games to really, like, break Ruth's record straight up. Um, So it's, like, won a series, not unreasonable. um, But he hasn't really been hitting them as much lately. Uh, So we'll see. So something to keep keep an eye on. I said, like, kind of this uh, other inner turmoil. Um something to focus on that's not wins and losses. And I honestly don't know if it's better that people are just all on the Yankees for how bad they've been playing or if it would like, you know, it's like judges just kind of going under the radar or if like them playing really well and the Yankees being like all anyone's talking about for how good they're doing as a team. If everyone would be like highlighting like, Oh, judge is carrying them or whatnot. Or is it like, well, Judge didn't hit another home run, and the Yankees lost again. You know, so so I don't know which way would be better for him, but 
something that I will uh, continue to monitor as we get down to the the nitty gritty. I don't know. Is he gonna is he gonna hit some home runs tomorrow? Um, uh, I don't know. Probably not. I don't know. I don't know who's starting for Tampa. Uh, Jeffrey Springs. Jeffy Springs versus Nestor Cortez. Jeffrey Springs got he's like four and seven with like a two mid two ERA. Every every Tampa Bay pitcher has a mid two ERA. It's insane. Like the team pisses me off so much, man. Mid two ERAs. And they're uh, and they're doing all this without Glass now. Like they still they're they don't have their best pitcher for the entire season. Like they're still where they're at. It's the most frustrating thing in the world. The Rays are like if the Cardinals actually had a good farm system of pitchers, you know. Yeah. So that that's you a guy. Just him. You just pitch them. You bet. they're so good. I'll pitch any of them. I don't care. Yeah. Well, and Glass now isn't homegrown. Like he came from Pittsburgh. Uh, and the terrible, terrible. Uh, what's his name? God damn it. Yeah, but they identify good pitching. Chris know. Archer uh-huh. trade. Yeah, where Tampa Bay got Austin Meadows and Tyler Glass now. Yeah. Insane. Um, yeah, so Glass now is arbitration eligible next season, and then he's a free agent. So he is like one of those guys that I, I hope is high on the Yankees' radar um, for starting pitchers to improve their – the rotation with he'll go to the dodgers <laughs> probably we'll everyone's gonna go to the dodgers yeah they're gonna have too many pitchers but it's gonna be okay um but no and then on the cardinal side continuing to play per- fairly good baseball um had a little hiccup i think enough to be concerned you know just in the manner in which the games played out because they got beat up on in Colorado. Uh, but the Rockies are a, a pretty good home team, much better at home than they are on the road. Cardinals are yep. much better at home than they are on the road. So Perfect. it's like this perfect culmination of things. Um, but losing two out of three to a team that is, you know, damn near bottom of the standings, you know, like have no one anymore. Yeah. I mean, like you didn't even face Austin Gomber or Tony Losey. So no excuses on their pitching. Um, Wait, I thought we did face Gomber. Um, I don't know. Didn't Pulos let up the home runs on Sunday to Gomber? And you know, he might not have started, but I thought Gomber pitched. I'll go look. Um, well, Gomber definitely didn't bat. I said pitched. Yeah, you said didn't Pulos let up the home runs. No, didn't Pulos hit a home run off him Sunday? Sunday. Um. Yeah. Uh, Marquez started. Gilbreth came in, and then it was Colome that Colum gave up the two home runs. Gotcha. Yeah, Marquez gave up a home run, and Colome gave up two. Um, who was it? Let's see. Well, that wouldn't. Have, so Gorman, Goldschmidt, Arenado. So was it? Maybe a different game that you're thinking? No, um, I don't know. Let's go. It was work. crazy. Because Freeland started. 
Um, yeah, okay. So, uh, yeah, Pujols did – so Gomber did pitch, but in relief of Freeland. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know Gomber wasn't starting. Yeah, I didn't know that either, but, um, yeah, I seem to remember him pitching yeah. in a later inning. Yeah, yeah, he, he went three and two-thirds after Freeland went four and a third. And he gave up the two solo home runs, it looks like. Uh, um, one, the gift to given. Yeah, one to Arenado and then one to Pools. Okay. Uh, both in the sixth inning. Looks like they went back to back. So, yeah, so so sorry. So they did face Gomber. It was just a joke they anyway. They did face but Tony they didn't Lucy, face Tony Lucy. So it was just a joke. He's retired there. Um, but thank you for correcting me. Um, <laughs> proving our point more so about the Arenado trade. Um, dude, hits one off Gomber, dude. Yeah, so, the, in Colorado. That cost you $50 million. Yep. And congratulations. Um, but yeah, so they, they lost two out of three of the Rockies. We, we had acceptable outcome winning that series. And then they took two out of three from the Brewers. Um, so all in all three and three for the week, um, the Brewers series too. And the Brewers like melted down as, you know, they've been doing since the trade deadline. So, yep. Um, and I think that that's really at this point, like that's just what you need to do. Like you don't have that tough of a schedule, so you just need to handle business and like, you don't need to sweep Milwaukee or anything like that. Just win the series, pick up, you know, take your game and call it a day. You you pit you extended your lead by a game and you took three games off the calendar like that's all you can do when you're head to head matchup. Um, then they have so they have three um, against Colorado. Colorado's coming to St. Louis for three, and then I believe over the weekend they go to Arizona, um, who are playing playing there. better. Yeah. yeah, playing better. Um, You know, they're they're losing to San Francisco tonight, three to one, um with Bumgarner on the mound. Bumgarner pitching the night means that they're probably gonna get him as well over the weekend. Um and like you said, Merrill Kelly's pitching, I believe. Yep. Um Yeah, Arizona's a good team. Yeah, because I think they just I think don't put pitches, it together every night. Yeah, I think so, he pitches but... tomorrow against San Francisco. So you'll probably get him like Sunday. Uh, so you're getting some of the better pitchers that Arizona has to offer. Um, yeah. Arizona's another team kind of like the Rays. I mean, they got a couple pitchers that low ERAs, maybe not the best records because, you know, their offense doesn't show up every night, but you know, they can put up runs uh, on occasion. So yeah. dangerous team. Um, Definitely not a team to look past. Um, yeah. I think the Cardinals have played them once before. I think they played a four-game series against Arizona um, at, like, the end of May? Nope. End of April is what it was. Yeah, and they they split. Um, and that was at home. So... I think that's the only time they've seen them. Um, so if you can just go into Arizona, win that series, you win the season series. Uh, yeah, just going to be some tough games. You know, 
Um, and then you have the five games in four days against the Cubs uh, before Atlanta over the weekend. So I think you can just put yourself in a position where the Atlanta outcome doesn't really matter. Um, and what Atlanta will show you is just like how you match up against those teams that are going to be playoff teams. Um, granted, they're teams that the Cardinals haven't exactly done too well against. Like they've lost a series to the Dodgers, lost three out of four to Atlanta when they went there, lost a series to the Phillies, and then split a four-game series with the Phillies in St. Louis. Um, so they're not... Yeah, they split a two-game set with Toronto. I think they split a two-game set with Toronto earlier in the year in St. Louis. Um, Got swept by Tampa Bay. Lost two out of three to Boston. You know, so it's like somebody seems that when they were, you know, granted Boston's not a playoff team right now, but they were at the time that the Cardinals played them. They've just fallen off a bit. Um, So I think, like, you just, you, you don't, you don't worry about what's going on in Atlanta. Like, it. If you get swept, you get swept. But if you handle business over these next, you know, what, three, six, ten days in these 11 games, you have 11 games in 10 days against the Rockies, Diamondbacks, and Cubs. If you just take care of business there and you go eight and three, something like that, then that outcome for the Brave series, like, really doesn't matter. Um, And then coming out of that, you have three against the Reds, three against the Cubs, four against the Nationals, three against the Pirates um, before you play two against Milwaukee. So it's like you you have this Atlanta series just sandwiched by three series against teams that you should easily beat if you're going to just make a run at things and try to contend in the postseason. Like these are the teams you got to beat. So really you just make it to where you can just say what happens in the Atlanta series doesn't have any bearing at all on the outcome of our season. Worst case scenario, we go 0-3, but we win 8 out of 11 before that series, and then there's 10 games against shit teams coming out of that. Maybe you win 7 of those. It's like you just sandwich it between going 15-6 and in the, you know, 16-6, and something like that, in the 22 games around it. That series doesn't matter now. You know what I mean? So I think that for the Cardinals, like that's where they kind of just need to be. Um, and I think if they continue to pitch the way that they are uh, from their starters, especially bullpen, has it's back to the bend but don't break kind of crap. Um, but their starters have just been workhorses as of late, with the exception of the first game against Colorado. You know where. Michaelis just doesn't, can't pitch in Colorado, apparently. Um, Because even though he wasn't, like, he wasn't overly sharp against Milwaukee. um, Like, he didn't have, like, this dominant stuff, but he still went eight innings. You know, like, that's eight-inning quality start. Like, I'll take that every time out by every one of my pitchers. Hell, yeah. Um, And I looked at it, so over the, so the six games they played last week, um, their starting rotation, so it was, uh, Michaelis made two starts. Everybody else made one. Um, Quintana, Montgomery, Hudson, Wayno were the four that started. Michaelis made two. So Cardinals played 57 innings, and the, the starters combined to pitch 36 and two-thirds uh, innings, which is like right around 64% of the total innings. 
if you exclude that first game that Michaelis got rocked, so it's five games, which one of them went to extra innings, um, the starters then pitched 34 of 48 innings, which is 71% of your innings pitched came from your starting pitchers. I think that that is an insane amount. Um, I think you, you're you very fortunate if you get your starters to go six innings every game, in which case then you're looking at like it floating around like 66 67%. Um, so for it to be like above that for an entire stretch through your rotation, like five games, everyone making a start, um, that I think Hudson's the only one that didn't go at least six. And Wayno went nine in a 10 inning game and you lost. That was the game you lost to Milwaukee. Ugh. Um, Ugh. <laughs> yeah. And that, that was one of their one run losses. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, you know, Michael, I mean, like said, he got, he got, Michael's got Molly whopped yeah, <laughs> in, that, in that first game. <laughs> And then uh, bounced back pretty nicely. Uh, what I know it was like eight innings. Um, let's see the stat line real quick. I know I know it was a solid outing. Um, yeah, eight innings, four hits, two earned runs, six strikeouts, one home run. Um, and the home run was where the two runs came from. Like in the second inning, he gave up a two-run shot. And the Cardinals bounced back. They scored late. Um, Taylor Rogers, you know, the new hater just gave up everything. Two home runs, gave up four earned runs, took the loss. Yeah. Just not good. It's not great. Hey, perfect for, uh, you know, another good trade by the Cardinals. <laughs> yeah. Themselves yeah. Out. Yep. Another good trade by the Cardinals for sure. Somehow um, they're just like. Hey, you know, we didn't really make an impactful trade, but Milwaukee made a horrible trade, so net us. Well, looks like Cobb ended up settling down in San Francisco. I don't know if they got to Bumgarner or their bullpen, but Cobb went six and in line for the win now. It's six to one San Francisco. Um, so I'm assuming quality start win here. So it'll cut my lead down to... 16 or so um assuming there's no other points uh he still has dalton varsho and jp crawford playing uh and hanniger so could be more points coming from those guys for sure um and that that will be will be even both my outfield yeah (laughs) yep well my year probably looks at man if i could trade a little bit earlier and if Hanager wasn't just fucking on the IL the whole first half of the fucking year. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see, but we'll be even starts left and I'll, I'll be up by 10, 15 points, something like that. I imagine. Uh, so good start to day one. Um, I, the projected scores were only separated by like nine points. So it was expected to be a, a good one. Um, but yeah, so, the chasing history aspect, though, and I know we've talked about this before, and so I just I just want to revisit it because I feel like it's more realistic now with his recent numbers than how it was. So obviously, the big thing like we talked about is Pujols chasing 700. Um, so with the two home runs he hit Sunday, he has 
10 on the year. He needs 11 more to get the 700. So he's at 689 right now. On on the year side, so I, I crunched some numbers just to kind of give you an idea of what he would need to do to get there and how unrealistic it, it seems that he gets there this season. So he's hitting a home run roughly like every 21 plate appearances, which if you say he averages four a game would be 53 games to do it this year. Um, so at the same pace, he would have to play in 53 games and he would hit his the 11 that he needs. So first issue, Cardinals only have 48 games remaining. So there are not 53 games for him to get to that number in. In you need a couple of lob balls right down the middle. <laughs> yeah, so in addition to that, Pujols has appeared in 66 of the 114 games the Cardinals have played this year, which is about 58%. Um, so if he continues to play at that same pace, and we just assume all of his appearances are starts, obviously they aren't out of his 66, but let's just assume that they are, it would be about 28 games that he would play, um, which four plate appearances a, a game would put him at about 112 plate appearances that you'll have for the rest of the season. And he would need a home run about every 10 plate appearances to do so um, to hit the 700 this year. So basically increase his home run output by two, like, like double it for these last, you know, for the last month and a half of the season. Um, Don't know that it'll happen. So he has made it no secret that he plans to retire after this year. But how close would he need to get to, like, have there be this understanding? Like, he just comes back. Maybe it's, like, league minimum, you know, whatever. Because, like, he, he hasn't been killing the Cardinals. Like, his numbers aren't atrocious. But how how minimum does it have to be? And, like, maybe it's just, all right, like, once you get to 700, like, we're, you're just going to hang it up. Like, it's going to be your last game this is all we're doing it for is to allow you to get the 700. We're not going to go past that. So if that, if that's the agreement going into it, like it's a similar deal. Let's say it's 5 million to come back, you know, whatever. And they use them in a similar role. The DH obviously still be a thing. What number does he need to be at in order for you to think that it's worth it for him to go after this? Um, I mean, if he was like five or six away, I mean, honestly, even if I mean, he'd have to like really start falling off, I guess it'd be seven away, but like if he's five or six away, um, yeah, I definitely see him coming back another year. I think I like that like five million dollar number. Like, what did you pay Chris Dicker or what did you pay Dickerson? Yeah, Corey Dickerson to come here, so like five, five and a half million, um. And yeah, I mean, he's again, like you're going to let him hit lefties. Um, you can, you know, platoon with somebody else. You're not going to have Dickerson anymore. So you can figure that part out. Yeah. Um, like if Gore, if Gorman still hasn't figured it out, yeah. yeah, you know, and it just seems like a very easy, natural spot that like, Hey, all right, we're going to send Walker to Memphis to start the year. And the game plan will be if Walker is, is ready when Pools hits 700, he will retire, and we will bring him up. Um, like So just like a, a placeholder for Walker, and you know you're going to sell out. Like, you're talking national coverage from everything. Yeah, 
So what like, if he hits the 700 and like he's still playing well? Like I don't know if I see this like you have to retire immediately thing. Like, hey, everyone he hits over that number is going to be pretty huge, just because it's going to be over 700. And as long as he's like barring injury or like fatigue or anything like that, like I mean, he still seems to be able to like keep up, like especially in the DH role, you know. You get him a couple extra rest days and stuff like that. I don't even really know if I see him being like, you have to retire. If it's a Jordan Walker thing, like, I think other players, like, you're going to send people up and down throughout the year that that would work itself out if Pools was just hitting well enough to stay. You know? Right. Like, so, so I guess the, the question is, so if, if he's hitting well enough to stay, understood. But is he hitting well enough that he can just be, like, if, if he's hitting well enough to stay, why are you platooning him that like you're just going to have him start against lefties? Like that to me, isn't like, like it, to me, like you're, you're not bringing in this big thing. So like, yes, every home run he hits over 700, it is a big deal, but there's really like, there's really no difference between being at 700 and being at 713. Like you're still fourth all time. There's no one else in between that. You're the fourth member of the 700 club. R- Ruth is at 714. He's the only one you're going to catch. Like Aaron's at 755. Bonds is at 762. You're not catching either of those two. So odds are you're probably not catching Ruth next year either. Because um, that would, you know, he would need 25 home runs in that time frame. And we're talking about like him being at 10, I think is surprising. I don't think anyone anticipated him hitting double digits. Um, maybe if he gets ringworm, right? Yeah, him. if he gets ringworm and can uh, you know, take some cholesterol, whatever the yeah. hell it is. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking Jesus, dude. Panties. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so that's my whole thing is that like you're you're essentially like you're giving him an opportunity because let's say he's like three away. I personally like I wouldn't fault someone like you know, the Dodgers or, um, yeah, I got, I don't think the Cubs would go that route. Cause I don't think it would be the same poll, but like, you know, pick, pick a team that's like up and coming. Like the nationals need something to get excited about. Why not just by K like, hey, like come play here, like come get the 700. We'll start you every day. Like we'll play you every day. Cause we don't care about wins and losses right now. We're rebuilding. Like you can DH, you can play first. You can it's do whatever no you want. Going to another team to hit it at this point. But what? But if the Cardinals aren't willing to bring him back, and he's three away, like, you know, like I, I don't know. I, I feel like the decisions that they're a, making. I don't see a world in the like the they're if he's three away, they're not bringing him back. Yeah, unless he doesn't want to come back, I would agree. Yeah. But from a baseball decision, I don't know that bringing Pools back makes sense. Because you got to keep in mind, I think. Of his, like, ten home runs, I think three of them are off-position players. <laughs> so there's yeah. that. Um, semantics, dude. Semantics. Yeah. So, again, like, not saying that he can't get there. He's obviously a very talented baseball player. He obviously can still hit. I don't know what, like, another offseason would do with him. Like, I don't know. Like, if that's grueling. Like, if it's tough on his body. I don't know how much recovery time he needs. Like, is he just having fun and doing as well as he is because like it's Yachty and Wayno's potentially last years, you know, 
like if Wayno if like Wayno and Pools come back and he <laughs> definitely should not come back next year. Yachty? Yeah. Yeah, but if Pool Holes and Wayno come back next year, how's Yachty not? That's what I'm saying, dude. It might be an actual problem for the Cardinals. Right. Like, <laughs> right. Like, do you guys just got to stop coming? Did you guys graduate already? Yeah. <laughs> like, you have to stop coming. Um, <laughs> but really, like, the other side of it is, is Molina's been the best catcher you've had this year. Yeah. Like, the issue's been that he didn't stay healthy. But Herrera didn't do anything. Romine didn't do anything. Kisner's not doing anything. You know, when uh, – Sanchez came up, I think, was the other one that they used for a brief time frame. He didn't do anything. You know, now they have this, you know, what was it, Chad Allen or whatever that they sent down to Memphis. Um, so, like, the catching spot just isn't doing anything. So, unless you're... Yeah, if Yachty's coming back, then they'll have no reason to go address it either. Right. And and then you're like, okay, like, we're we're done with Kisner, but let's let's get Herrera time with Yachty. You know, maybe something like that. And so to me, though, then the situation becomes like you already have a log jam of players, you know, like we've talked about, like when the Cardinals get healthy, what do you what do you do? Um, Like they're already running with a roster that you pretty much have only guys up that you think should be. And you're still without Yepes, and I think there is maybe one more. Um, let me go look at their roster real quick. I maybe I'm wrong. Kisner, Molina, Arenado, De Young, Donovan, Edmund, Goldschmidt, Gorman, Pujols. Yeah, so I guess maybe it's just so it's Yepes. And then, and then it would be like the the kids in Memphis. So like Walker, Burleson, like where do these guys find spots to play? Um. So I, so I feel like you you have the argument that there are three players potentially, two for sure because I think Burleson like I don't like he's been raking in Memphis all year, I like. I think he easily earns a shot. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's the easy substitution for Dickerson. And then Pujols would be the seemingly easy substitution for Yepes. And then if you want to make the argument for Herrera, that would be Molina. But so it's like, all right, like you, you have your roster kind of made up with removing these guys from the picture. Um, you're, you know, uh, from like a depth chart perspective, you know, you have Wayno, who may or may not be back. Michaelis will be back. Hudson will be back. Montgomery will be back. Quintana's also a free agent. So you have two starters that you need to fill. Um, and you know you're getting Flaherty back, ideally. Um, so you really have one. If that if Wayno comes back, now you you don't have any room for rotation and then they have Gallegos, Helsley, Cabrera, Stratton, um, Hicks that are probably all like I think like Packy Naughton has kind of earned a spot especially that McFarland got DFA'd so he's your only other lefty in the bullpen right now 
Um, and then they have, so what did I say? Guy goes Helsley, Cabrera, Stratton, Naughton, Hicks. So then they have um, Verhagen, who's currently on the six-day IL. He hasn't been amazing, but he hasn't killed you, but is expendable. Um, but you would have, like, like they have Woodford up currently. Um, and really, like, so it's like are you have six guys, and then you have Reyes, potentially, as seven. So you have, like, one spot in your bullpen and one spot in your rotation if Wayno doesn't come back. If Wayno does, you only have the one spot in your bullpen, and then you still have, like, Libertor. You still have, um, you would still have Pallante at that point. Um, you still have Zach Thompson. So it's like you, you still have guys that are, uh, you still have Matts. <laughs> uh, so really, if Wayno comes back, you would move Matts to the bullpen. You don't have a spot at all. And then you still have three guys like Libertor, um, Pilate, uh Thompson that are all knocking at the door. You still have Cody Whitley down there. Uh, James Naley still down there. Uh, Junior Fernandez, like they've had varying levels of success. So it's like they have all these depth pieces where we've talked about, like they have too, too many chefs, not enough kitchens. Um, so does that change up your perspective on like what they should do with pools? Or that's why I say that like, it should just be like a, Hey, we're going to get you to 700, but we need your roster spot. Like you aren't the player that gives us the best chance to continue for, to contend for a world series. So we want you to be a part of major league history. Like we will support you in that, but that's as far as this ride can go. You know what I mean? It might be fair. Um, so the only way he that might it's... be willing to do that too, especially like he can come on, like maybe like, you know, just still hang out in the. Right. And the, or like the you, the you bring them, you bring them on with like a job after the fact, like he just comes on as like, an assistant hitting coach somewhere or whatever. It's like, he can stay with the club. He's just not on the 26 man roster anymore. He's not on the 40 man roster anymore. Um, like you're just freeing up roster spot, but he can be with the team and ride out the year. And like, if that's what he wants to do, um, you know, whatever. But like I said, like you have all of these pending replacements that are kind of lined up and they're lined up nicely and you still don't have enough room. Cause like, if Walker and Wynn kind of make the jump from double A up to the majors, you know, a la like Acuna Albies, like these guys didn't play a lot of time in triple A. I don't think Albies played any time in triple A. Michael Harris didn't play any time in triple A. He made the jump straight from double A to the majors. Yep. Um, you know, and like when that, like maybe you give him a year cause you have one more year to young and then DeYoung young goes by the wayside. Um, <clears throat> and then like Dickerson free agents, like you have that outfield spot. I know they're, they're having Walker play there, but it's like, do you shift Walker in that regard? Or do you look at Walker being like your DH type guy? Like Yepes is currently like, yep. Yepes can get you some innings out in the outfield, but he can, you know, play first base. Um, you know, Walker could play third. You could, have him DH. Gorman can play second. He can DH. Um, 
you know, so maybe they're not out there for like defense, but you're trying to get them every day at bats and you're mixing and matching your lineup and you're actually utilizing the 13 guys you have on your 26 man roster that are position players with the exception of uh, your catchers. Maybe your catchers are a little more set in stone. If you go out and get one, if you just have Kisner and Herrera, whatever, you fucking roll a die beforehand, flip a coin, see who goes and starts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but so it's just like they're they're lined up in this situation where they have, where they they don't have the real estate to hold on to a lot of people that they are. So it's like I I feel like right now, with the with the exception of what Adam Wainwright does, you we could draw up what the roster looks like coming out of the end of the season. Plenty of time that trades could happen in the off season. Well aware of that. So maybe this isn't what arrives at spring training, but December 1st, when baseball's said and done, World Series has been crowned, champagne has been popped, we know what the 26-man roster looks like for the St. Louis Cardinals, hands down. And we know what the rest of their 40-man roster probably looks like, or at least a good portion of it. And we can make that, you know, that dissertation right now. And I find it hard to believe that it doesn't impact it if you bring Pujols back to do something like go after 700. And that's why I think like there has to be that caveat. Dickerson gone, no problems. I think if Molina retires, because I don't know if his knees can hold up and you're, he doesn't have the bat to be a DH, he can go. Cool. Wayno still looks brilliant at times. He looks 40 at times. But I think why, like, I think even John was talking about it that it's not so much the, uh, or might might have been me and my brother talking about it. Um, it's not so much the pitching, but it's like what needs to happen in between games. You know, it's the recovery time that's needed for his body to continue to do what he's doing. Yeah. So maybe another year, you know, another wear and tear if they do make a playoff run. What does that look like? You know, we I think we looked at the numbers and it's been like every three years he's kind of had an injury, but we had the COVID year. So it was like minimal innings pitched that year because of the shortened season. Um, so it was kind of like an injury year that he was able to let his body recover more. So this would be his second year since then uh, with big innings pitched, like he's pitched more innings than anyone else, like since 2020. Cardinals um, need that uh, six-man rotation. Yeah, so certainly an option, and just run with like seven bullpen arms. Um, given that you have Hicks and Reyes, who are starters, you know, like you can throw those guys in there. And again, like you have Palante or Mats. It's like I don't think that there's anything wrong with being able to go with like, hey, like we just have guys that are going to go two or three innings out of the bullpen. Yep. Um, and I I think that that's fine and understandable. Um, until, until Ali walks out there and he's like, hey, uh, Adam, I need you to come out. And he's like, nah. <laughs> I got nah. I got one more in me. Like, one more pitch? Yeah. Like, nah, one more inning? Yeah. <laughs> We're, yeah. Good. We're good. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about Ali. Just go ahead and sit on the, <laughs> sit on the bench. I got this. <clears throat> yeah, and so, again, like, is it, is it, like, the snazziest, like, superstar-popping lineup and rotation and roster makeup that's ever existed? No. 
but it it's the devil you know um and every one of those players that we named they have shown you know varying levels of success at the major league level um the only ones that are unknown are the guys that haven't come up yet walker win burleson from an offensive standpoint um pitching it's the guys that really haven't gotten a ton of starts uh Woodford, Thompson, Libertor. Uh, Matt hasn't really shown success with the Cardinals, but he has had success in the past. Um, and you also gave him four years, 44 million. So you got him for three more years. That's just the way it's going to be. Um, but I also think it's worth noting that like after 2023, there's a lot that's unknown about what this Cardinal team looks like. And yeah. they have the possibility at that point to really just like blow things up, like to shake it up. Like at that point, you know, for sure you're like, I don't want to say for sure, but we can be like 90% certain there's no Pujols conversation. There's no Molina conversation. Probably like 70% sure there's no way, no conversation. Like he's yeah. probably hanging up at that point. And if it's not like, man, it's like the, it's a cheaper contract than what it Right. Is. Right. You're definitely not giving him ace money. Um, yeah. but Michaelis would be a free agent. I think Flaherty would be a free agent. I think Hudson would be a free agent. Monty would be a free agent. Um, you would, so I think it's like Matt's would be the only starter you have locked up to a contract for two more years. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you would be like, at the end of arbitration years or maybe going into a final arbitration year on like O'Neill. Um, I think Carlson would be into arbitration. I think Edmund would then be into arbitration. I think Donovan would have one more year. Yepes would have one more year. Gorman would have one more year um, before they hit arbitration. So these guys are going to get raises. Um, yeah. So I think you just have like this, this opportunity to be pretty open with financial freedom. Um, I think Cabrera and Gallegos and Helsley, all their contracts I think are in that time frame. I don't think any of them are long-term deals, if not just an arbitration. Um, and they've been around now for a while. I mean, I think Gallegos and Cabrera kind of came up around the same time. And that was when the Voight trade happened to the Yankees. What was that, like 2019? Because uh, I think it was like the same time, like they re-signed Goldschmidt and then traded Voight in exchange for that. Um, yeah, so like Reyes, would you'd be rid yourself of that situation. I think Hicks would be through arbitration, probably hitting free agency at that point. So it's just quite a few pieces that like after 2023, you can kind of spec, all right, like, what route do we want to go? Like, how do we, how do we want to go about doing this? Are we investing in long-term in any of these guys that are arbitration to buy out these years? Are we bringing other free agent pieces? Um, do we want to go with like Thompson, Woodford, Libertor, Mats as like our rotation? Do we want to spend money in free agency? Cause we have all this coming off the books. Um, do you try to deal a Goldschmidt, if you're talking about rebuilding from within and, you know, just load up altogether. Like maybe you trade away even Arenado in that case, if you still haven't 
really cracked the code of making it deep into a playoff with the teams that exist. Yeah, the Dodgers have uh, a good – probably got some good farm system players, some good uh, MLB-ready players for you too when you're ready to trade them. So. <laughs> right, you know, because that's just what they do. Um, yeah, I, I just – I don't know – because I don't know where they see themselves matching up with the teams that are out there right now. Like, obviously, Scherzer, probably this is his last contract, and I think, what, he signed a two- or three-year deal. Um, so he's probably getting close to hanging him up. But DeGrom, it looks better than he ever has. Uh, you know, the, the, the Phillies, I feel like, got younger and made some good moves, and they have some youth coming up. Um you know, the Braves are obviously super young. Um, you know, they gave the big contract like Olsen. They have Acuna locked up for a while. Albies locked up for a while. Their pitching staff is entirely like young. Next 10 years, yeah. Yeah, so. The Braves have a ridiculous setup right now. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, it's like if the Cardinals don't think they can compete, it's like do they continue to tread water and just take their shots at it? Or do they just like, all right, like we're just going to build up from the ground up and okay, like here's our, our youth movement is going to be our offense and we're going to go out and spend on pitching. Like that's going to be where we drop our free agency money. Um, and it's kind of what I hope the Yankees do, um, especially since they traded away Sears and Waldachuk. You know, it's like, okay, like there's like Louis Heal and Clark Schmidt and that's really it from a youth movement. Um, they got Cole for like another six years. Uh, Montas is a free agent after this year. Cortez is a free eight or Montas after 2023. I think Cortez also after 2023. Um, Herman's in arbitration. So it's like they, their pitching staff's kind of in the same boat. And I know last week we, I've read through some of the names of pitcher pitchers that are going to be free agents after 2022 but as well as after 2023 and there's a pretty big market like there's it's pretty pitching rich um so the opportunity is out there that they can make a big splash so it's like all right like well time to go with the youth movement then on the offensive side like you have your big name signings in arenado and goldschmidt and put the kids around them like that should be your mo you know, like I think you can even let O'Neill walk if Walker can get by with playing left field. That I and O'Neill continues to be where he's at. I think just after O'Neill's hits free agency, I think you just part ways with him or trade him. You know, like all right, like here, here you go. This is what we're gonna do. We're gonna try to get some prospects back for you, and you know, rebuild them. We're just want left-handed pitchers and outfielders. Um, that's all we're taking. Uh. And you just kind of go on about your business. But they, like from from the offensive side, like they have quite a bit. I mean, already up at the major league level, they're young. Newt Barr, Carlson, Edmund, Donovan, Yepes. Um, you know, O'Neill isn't old, but you, know, you just have Burleson, Walker, Wynn, Kisner, Herrera. Like they, they have youth kind of at every position other than first and third, but you have your big name contract signed there. So you don't worry about it. Like you have guys that can play those positions, but your Goldschmidt and Arenado were your first baseman and third baseman and they're batting three, four in your lineup. And that's just the way it fucking goes. 
you know, you do that until they're done. You know, and what, you have Goldschmidt for four more years and Arenado for five after this? Or is Goldschmidt just I think it's Goldschmidt three. three years. I think it's three years after this. And I don't think they're really... Um, so Goldschmidt, it's two after this. 2023, 2024. Ooh. Even worse, yeah. Um, and it's just the same $26 million a year. Um, and then Arenado, I'm pretty sure it's five after this if he doesn't opt out. Um, yeah, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27. But that final year, he only, uh, it's only 15 million. Um, let's see. Let's see. Uh, Colorado paying all, yeah, paying all thirty-five million in twenty twenty-one, and then they paid an additional fifteen million. So they essentially paid for the twenty twenty-seven season as well. Um, if Arenado doesn't opt out, Colorado will send St. Louis the remaining twenty million to be paid out four million each. Oh, so they paid. Okay, so Colorado paid covered thirty five million. They paid fifteen million in twenty twenty one. And then if Arenado doesn't opt out, then the Cardinals will get four million a year from twenty twenty three through twenty twenty seven. Um, for that other. If he does opt out, then Colorado will pay Arenado the twenty million directly. Um, and the remaining sixteen million paid from Colorado will reduce uh, and so if he opts out, he's going to get twenty million from the Rockies. Just yeah. So he so he gets paid. So essentially, he only got paid fifteen million in twenty twenty one instead of thirty five million. If he if he opts out either time after twenty twenty one, which he didn't, or this year, then the Rockies will just pay him directly. Here you go, twenty million. If he doesn't opt out, though, then the Rockies pay that to the Cardinals. So the Cardinals will pay him like thirty-five million in twenty twenty-three and twenty twenty-four. See, this is why this is why I think that there should be feared that he opts out. So he's making thirty-five million. So he'll make twenty million for opting out straight out. <laughs> like he'll he'll yeah. make twenty million. Yeah. Um. He's making 35 million in 2023 and 2024. It's 32 million in 2025, 27 million in 2026, and 15 million in 2027. I would imagine he certainly could find someone to give him five years, 400 million, or sorry, five years, 200 million. Um, so like 40 million a year, which would be five, 10, 18. Uh, 31 50 like a 56 million dollar raise over the next five seasons yeah um so i mean quite a quite a decent like bit chunk of change and i i don't think that anyone would have problem that especially with him being like in consideration for nl mvp this year yeah 
playing the high corner. You yeah, know, and de- defensively, he yeah, he looks just as good as he always has. Uh, you have the NLDH now, so it's not like he's locked in to have to go to an AL team. Um, and then you have situations with like Turner and Turner could be leaving from the Dodgers. Um, and it would just free up that space that they're able to be like, Hey, opt out, come play here. We'll play you at third. Oh, you miss your boy. We can trade for story. We're cool with that. <laughs> we can go get him from Boston. What you, what you want? Um, but that, that is my hope of what the Yankees do in this off season. Um, I would very much like to see them go all in after Trey Turner. Oh, because uh, he's a free agent after this Yeah, year. so he'll he'll be a free agent. Um, I think it just solidifies the shortstop position. He's, in my opinion, arguably the best shortstop in the game. Um, he can bat at the top of the lineup. They need that desperately. <clears throat> um, I think LeMahieu can play third, so I think Donaldson can go away um, when his contract's up if you can't trade him in the offseason. You have Torres to play second, or you can try to trade him as well in the Donaldson deal. Um, And then I think you have youth that you can play with, like Rizzo will, you know, is is signed for a couple years, but like all the names that we've thrown out, like the Anthony Volpe's and Oswald Cabrera's and Oswaldo Peraza and, you know, uh, Trey Sweeney and you got Dominguez in the works and, like they they just have a ton of things coming up, but I but none of them are like you you don't have like a another Aaron Judge coming up or I guess maybe they do have another Aaron Judge. In you the have a left handed. We have a left handed Aaron Judge. Come on now. Um. So they so they have those options, but I think if they could just bring in that one guy that's gonna play 155 games at shortstop. He's going to be stellar defensively. He's going to be great offensively. He's just going to get shit done. I think Trey Turner can be that piece. And I think that's who they should go after. And then when you have that, if you re-sign Judge and you bring in Turner, now you're like, okay, we got pieces to move. We have youth coming. So let's deal for, you know, another high-end starter. Like, you know, my opinion, I think if you can get not even necessarily like a high-end starter, but maybe a guy that is on his way out, like an Aaron Nola. Um, or you just go free agency hard for pitching. Um, and like you have Cole, you have Cortez, um, you have Montaz for a year. So you're just like, okay, let's, let's bring in like one guy. If Severino comes back and he's healthy – that's four. We need one starter. So who who do we take a flyer on? And I'd rather them, you know, or, and they have Jameson Tyon as well. So really, maybe you can wait on starters for another year um, and then go hard following 2023. But I think if you bring in Turner, you're just, you're in a good spot. You know, and if you can trade to upgrade. talking shit about New York. Yeah. You don't want to go there. <laughs> Probably. Like, oh man. You live in a small apartment. And it and it could be hard, like if they if the Dodgers want to re sign Turner, 
Like I, it's gotta, it's gonna be hard to get them away from there, I imagine. But that, that's what they need. And I don't want it to be Correa, who I think might opt out of his contract since it's gonna die in Minnesota. Um, you know, and then all the other like big name shortstops, like they all sign multi-year deals. So it's really like just Correa that could come back, or like you have Bogarts. Uh, I think in another year hits free agency with story being locked up long-term there that maybe like Bogart just decides to leave. Uh, and he's like, I'm not, I don't think that this is where I'm going to play. And story doesn't want to keep playing second or whatever. Um, so I don't know, but where this started is I think the Cardinals are in a very interesting situation where you could see, I don't know, maybe like the first inkling of an actual rebuild probably in probably in my lifetime or at least in the time frame that I've watched Cardinals baseball you know call that like mid 90s like they weren't always great like the Cardinals weren't like playoff contenders early on it wasn't until like those early 2000 teams with you know Edmonds yeah. and Rollins and Pujols coming up in 2001 with like the MV3 um, that they really turned it on, but they, they weren't so much rebuilding. Like they, it's not that they didn't have talent. They just weren't win, winning. Um, you know, and then obviously they went to the world series in 04, lost in the LCS in 05, won a world series in 06, won a world series in 2011, NLCS 2012, world series 2013, you know, so on and so forth. Um, you know, but they've, they've never really been like in a, in what I would consider an actual rebuild. They've just been like, all right, how do we, how do we solve for this? How do we stay relevant? How do we continue to win the central? Um, and I think that they have an opportunity that they can, can, they can be competitive in the central, but can really just tear down the current roster makeup as it is, especially if Arenado opts out. Like, if Arenado opts out, I think that it should make it more pressing for them to be willing to trade Goldschmidt in turn for, like, a bunch of prospects back, yeah, knowing just, that you only have them for two years. Youth in general. Yeah. Like, you're going to bring up Walker to play third at that point in time. Like, right. Alec Brokson's going to be in the outfield. Like, you're going yeah. to have everyone up at that point in time. Yep, and you just see what you have. Maybe you go out and, like, maybe you can go get a first baseman. Or maybe you get a first baseman back in a trade or something, but right. Yeah. But I, but I'm thinking that that's what I'm saying. Like I think you can go to like that sort of like youth movement type deal, or like depending on when you part ways. Like it could be like a man, like a you know, like a situation where like if you you trade to Um, I'm trying to think of the kid's name in Detroit. Um, like if you, if you give them like two years, uh, like say Arenado opts out and it's like, you try to trade to Detroit where like, they just dropped some money on Baez, um, Cabrera's on his way out, but you like get down like a Goldschmidt and maybe a pitcher and the big centerpiece you get back is like Spencer Torkelson. You know, a guy that's, like, seen some major league time, having some level of success. He's not, like, Mike Trout-type numbers, 
but you know like it's uh this could be you know uh the first baseman for the cardinals for the next you know five to ten years you know that's what you're trying to find or like the, the you know the cardinals version of the core four it's like if carlson's going to be your staple center fielder and Herrera is going to be your staple catcher. You know, you try to find somebody, maybe like two guys on the infield that are just commanding the team and they're kind of the new face of the franchise. Um, you know, you start to work in like, you know, if, if Jack comes back and is healthy and you you can deal with that ego and he kind of puts that in check, just becomes maybe a little more humble, maybe, maybe a... Not less outspoken, but maybe a little less harsh. Like, I feel like he has a lot of edge in his words, and not that that's a problem, but he maybe is a little speak first, think later sometimes, I feel like, mm. with his social media stuff. Um, it could just be a little wild for the Cardinals' liking, uh, for him to be like, you know, if you look at him like Adam Wainwright compared to Jack Flaherty, like, they're... Yes, there's a difference level because Adam Wainwright's just like, you know, 15 years older. So there's a difference in maturity. Um, but yeah, I feel like media usage in general, right? Um, but and so it's definitely a different time. But I feel like when Waino came in, he was learning from like Chris Carpenter. Um, you know, when when he was coming up through the ranks and whatnot. Um, I don't know. I feel like there there was another like older pitcher that was here. I know like Smoltzy came through during that time frame with Wayno. But I, I feel like that there was one other one that I'm missing. Um pitched in Oakland. Was it Hudson? Tim Hudson? I think spent some time here. Mm-hmm. Um so there was just like a, a good core for I think Wayno to kind of learn off of in that regard. And I don't feel like those same steps have happened with Jack. And I think it became most prevalent this year when he like came back early and it was like him saying that he was ready to go. And then he was like, well, the team didn't have a game plan and like just zero credibility. Um, like what we saw from Tati's junior, um, you know, with him getting busted and suspended. Um, that it's just like, even when it happened and it came out, I was like, oh, I was, you know, get got treated for ringworm and this happened. And then like, there have been like reports that have come out that like, the the drug that he tested positive for isn't even found in like ringworm medication. There's like another drug and ringworm medication that is like similar in name but not the same thing. So it's just like was very clearly bullshit. Um, and. Yeah, it's just like, cool, like, just fess up to it. Like, just own up to it, serve your 80-game suspension, and it sucks, and hopefully it doesn't taint your career. Um, but, like, I know that there were tons of rumors around his dad being using PDs when he played. You know, for him being as big as he was, for as small in stature as he was. You know, so, like, it doesn't... I, I don't want to say it, yeah I don't want to say it it doesn't surprise me because it it does mean the kid just has natural raw talent um but clearly he 
doesn't make the best decisions, you know, given that he hasn't taken in a bat for his team this entire year because of a jet ski accident that he got into during the lockout. You know, like, and then on top of that, like he didn't even report the injury until they, like until he reported for spring training, which was after the lockout was lifted. Like you get the, like, it was kind of quick, but you know, you would think that like, as soon as it was lifted, you'd be like, Hey, by the way, this is where I'm at. Um, but I think that there was a couple younger guys that did the same thing. Cause wasn't that the case with Reyes too? That, like he had suffered like his injury setback or whatever during the lockout. And it wasn't until like he reported the spring training that the team was like, yeah, like his shoulders still fucked. <clears throat> same with Jack. I think that like, it, so maybe it was just, uh, because of the lockout that no one knew or it came out. Slowly, they weren't a, but they weren't allowed to like, uh, communicated right but like right they couldn't talk during the lockout but it was like a week's time between the lockout being lifted and people reporting for spring training i felt like and it was like teams seemed to be surprised like oh shit this guy's hurt you know like i feel like there's got to be and and maybe i'm wrong like i i could just be talking out of my ass but it, it was just surprising to me that they seemingly didn't know the stuff. Um, and so, and so I, I hate to see it. Like it's unfortunate. I am certain that it was just someone in his ear. Um, they're trying to strike while the iron's hot. San Diego has a very good team. They just went out and added Soto and Josh Bell. There's the possibility that someone's in his ear that, you know, Soto is going to be the new face of the franchise. Like we paid you all this money, but now we have this new kid and like Fernando Tatis Jr. Who, um, FTJ what? Um, so I'm certain that there's just that devil in his ear, and they're like, you gotta, you gotta get healthy, you gotta recover. And he's like, well, how do I speed it up? I want to help my team. We're trying to catch the Dodgers. Like they need me. Like we have a chance to make a run this year, but I want to play. And someone's just like, well, I got a, I got a thing that'll help you. I think that'll help you recover quicker. Here you go. Just don't tell your team. You know? Um, And so, if it was a ringworm medication, like, there would be a prescription somewhere that shows, like, that this is what was provided. Um, And if it wasn't on... Like, if it wasn't at that level, and the team didn't know then he clearly had to know something's off. It's like what I talked about in our group thread It's like either Tatis jr. And the team were aware. Cause they're like, this is what's going to happen. This is what we're giving you. Um, you know, here, here's the risks or he got it from somewhere else. And they're like, don't tell your organization that you're getting this. Cause it's not okay. Like, or maybe they didn't even say it's not okay, but there was like, you should probably keep this from your team. Well, the only reason why you should keep it from your team is because it's not okay. Like it's not fucking rocket science. So I think he clearly knew. I think he's playing that. Oh, I'm an idiot and I don't know, but someone knew what was up and there's reasons for it. And he's trying to live up to a big contract and it just looks real bad right now for the Padres because he can't stay healthy. Um, but they're all like non baseball related injuries. Like, he just needs to stop being a child. You know, and I get he's young. I get he is still a kid, but 
you know, you, you got to think about the big ticket, you know, with what you're throwing away. Yeah. You're going to retire when you're like, you know, 33, 35, you know, <laughs> yeah. like you ride jet skis then. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? uh, like it's tough to say, cause it is, you know, like you're right. You're I was an idiot chosen, when I was 21 chosen to like go to a career now. So right. because you've done that, like you've now chosen to grow up as well. Um, and I mean, he, he turned 23 earlier this year. Yeah, you took face of the franchise money. You knew what it was role model for all your kids, posters on the wall, you know, like you just get better than that. You're, you're allowed to be held to a higher standard. Oh, let's see this. Um, yeah. Okay. So where I made the comment that, Tati Sr., a lot of people have associated it, whatever. Was he taking the, was he taking the same shit? Well, so years? so ESPN just posted an article like five hours ago, um, and the headline is, uh, Fernando Tati Sr. says, all of baseball loses with son suspended 80 games for something so insignificant. <laughs> so, if you were curious to know if Fernando Tati Sr., did P like took PEDs when he played baseball? The answer is yes, he did. <laughs> like, <laughs> yep, cool, got it, understood, dude. Um, yeah, this is a catastrophe. What has taken place? This is a quote. Um, or here, so let me let oh. me go back. Uh. Tati Sr. acknowledged his son made a mistake in not realizing the medication contained a steroid, a direct violation of drug policy that was jointly agreed to between MLB and the Players Association, but added that it, quote, could have been managed, unquote, better by the league without going into specifics. Quoted, I don't think there was reason to destroy the image of a player over something as minor as that, he told the Midday Show in Spanish. Later, Tati Sr. added, this is a catastrophe what has taken place, not just for Junior, but for all of baseball. There are millions of fans who are going to stop watching baseball now. It's a total disappointment for Dominican fans, fans throughout the world, for something so insignificant that wasn't worth it. It's a topical. Um, What came out positive in Junior's body is something that doesn't give you strength, first of all, doesn't amplify your your weight training regimen. That's second doesn't have any testosterone that's third doesn't contain absolutely anything that would give you an edge in the game what has occurred is a catastrophe for baseball um and then it goes on to explain that like close close the ball i don't know how to pronounce it is indeed a derivative of testosterone and it's an anabolic steroid that has been banned by the world anti-doping agency d gordon and freddie galvis have previously been suspended for testing positive for the substance by mlb which is, has listed Colostobol as a banned substance since the start of its drug testing program in 2003. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what Senior's saying, but it seems like he's just making shit up trying to defend his son, which, good on him. That's what you're supposed to do for your kid, I guess. But uh, not exactly making himself look clean here. Um, yeah, it says... On the Wikipedia page for nutritional supplements, it says a related anabolic steroid, methylcholobosterol, is a common additive 
in so-called dairy dietary supplements generally listed in yeah this doesn't say I don't know if it's anything like what it would be it just has like these other ones you know why is it let me see why not why what exactly is cholesterol Mm-mm. Eastern state sponsored doping program in the 60s, 70s developed cholesterol and combined it with another substance to create oral turbinol, turbinidol, turbidol, the then undetectable antibiotic steroid that juiced its athletes, some of whom set world records that still haven't been broken. The doping advantage of injectable cholesterol is that while less potent, it mimics the muscle building properties of testosterone without the estrogen buildup that counteracts them. As testing capabilities improved, cholesterol became detectable in urine and athletes had to weigh its performance benefits against the risk of being caught. In the Olympic world, it typically results in a two-year suspension. What complicates cholesterol cases is that it's possible to test positive from contaminated meat. Uh, so I could at least been like, oh, I ate some bad meat. You know? but, <laughs> yeah, but he's like, I, I treated myself for ringworm. And apparently it's like a word that's similar in spelling, but completely different. Yep. Yeah. So the Tatis camp is just full of trash. Which, which every I don't understand this either, dude. When you get caught for cheating or taking, especially something like this, as a normal fan, most people aren't even going to look up Colossal Ball. I never fucking heard of that. You know. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to look it up. I would so not have been able to tell you that D Gordon and Freddie Galvis also got suspended for it. Nope. Not at all. So now he's a bigger, this is a bigger player than that, but agreed. Would have never been like, there's been players scandalous. Right. But all you have to do, the playbook is literally in order. Cool. You've cheated. Uh, admit to it. Say you're sorry. And then shut the fuck up and continue just to apologize when you speak. Yeah. For your 80 days. And then the day you play baseball again, nobody cares. Right. It's literally only an off-season cycle fucking media story. And is the more your dad comes out and talks about it, your mom posts pictures of your ringworm, your sister's fucking complaining about it, the more the MLB, the media, everyone's going to be like, oh, look at this. Hey, they're saying this. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about him again. No, like your PR person at this point in time should be like, shut it down. Right. Nothing good comes from you talking. Just yeah, shut it down. Like, bro. Spend it 80 games. Nothing you can't nothing's gonna change from the 80 games. It's 80 games. Yeah, Do your like, fucking 80 games in silence. Go to hitting practice every day. Get better. Like be there for the team. Apologize, right. apologize, apologize. Send some gifts. Like do some don't, shit in the community. Yeah. Like don't shut your mouth. Go, out. don't go the Roger Clemens route. I misremembered. You know. Mm. Don't go the A Rod route. Like <laughs> I'm I'm innocent. Like, this is a wrong test. Don't go the Ryan Braun. Ryan Braun, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, don't go the Ryan Braun route. I'm I'm going after this guy's job. Yeah, Yeah, I'm going after this guy's job. This guy, someone tampered with my test. This is bullshit. Like, don't, yeah, don't go that route. Um, Yeah, I don't just, yeah, like you said, like, it seems simple enough. Like, and 
and so so many people have paved the way that like <laughs> if you just do we're told like look at like uh robinson cano like no one talks about him being suspended for his 80 games yeah like that doesn't come up at all anymore like i don't ever like talk about it when tatis got banned from it they didn't talk about cano getting banned for yeah. his however and many he, times he's been banned and he was a he was another guy He's another guy that had been that he did serve a suspension, but he also played in San Diego recently. Like he played there this year. Yeah, like and his name didn't come up in anything. Like they weren't they weren't trying to like make ends meet or anything. And like shit there there was a whole point in time like everyone was a detective. Like, oh well, he played here at this time frame with this person and or it's like what was going on with like the spider tack like all the stuff coming out of the woodwork with like oh yeah like i i got it from yeah i i got it from this guy for in the angels camp and so even when i went to detroit like he was still hooking me up and it's like i know personally like he gave the same stuff to like justin verlander and in like the 2006 world series like Adam Wainwright was curious and like, so I hooked him up and Wayno was also involved in it. And it's just like, who gives a shit? Like it's banned now. Like they're cracking down on it. If you use it, stop. I don't care if you used to use it. They didn't crack down on it. It wasn't a problem then. It's a problem now. So stop doing it. You know, like, Oh, well it's gonna, it's gonna hurt. Like I'm going to hurt my, I'm going to hurt myself. I'm going to hit batters. Like, well you guys do that anyway. Like, and hit batters are actually, have actually decreased this year. You know, so it's like maybe because you have a better feel for the ball because it's not just sticking to your hand all the time. Like, you can actually let it go where you mean to. Um, But I think that it's situations like – I'm not saying that Glasnow didn't need to have surgery, but I think that it was conveniently timed that that's what needed to have – that needed to happen. Um. I thought the whole Bauer situation was very convenient for the time frame in which it took place. Like when it all came down and cracked down, it was just like, Hey, like this is what you do. So you need to like go figure out how to pitch without it. Cause we know you do this. So just be away from the game for a minute. Every, like, and then come back. It, I was surprised when he got like the two year suspension on top of that. Um, and they weren't like, We've already served half a year. There's like, no, 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 you get two, two years starting now. So, I thought that was kind of crazy. But yeah, for Tatis, it's just, oh yeah, I, I fucked up, you know. Sorry, won't, won't do it again. You know, if anyone's like, why, why did you do it? You know, it's simple. Like, well, like I'm trying to recover from an injury, like trying to get back on the field to help my team as quick as I can. And I felt like it was worth it. And I was wrong. I had a lapse in judgment. I made a dumb decision. Biggest regret of my life. You know, hopefully I can just earn everyone's trust and respect back when I join the Padres next season. You know, like, well, I, I think we have a great team. We have a chance to win it all. And I felt I could help the team to win. So I want to get back on the field whatever spin it whatever bullshit way you want like you know the other side of it is like why he doesn't need to get paid he already did you know so how often was he getting piss tested did he have a way to beat the system like uh, do they test differently because he's hurt currently like is the testing different if you're on the il 
you know, did he earn this contract legitly and this is recovery based, you know, or why did he feel the need to take this after getting paid his $340 million contract? You know what I mean? Like, that's the part that I wish they would crack down on. Like, cool. As part of our drug, you know, our anti-drug policy, when you test positive, like there's also, like, we're also going to require you to see like a MLB appointed therapist and like get to the root of like why you felt this was a necessary risk. Like, what have we done to sell the image that this is what you need to do to be successful? And that's how you get it out of the game. But, nope, everyone just assumed it's a payday. And I don't know that it is. I'm going to take some. <laughs> it's going to up your golf game, bro. Yep. You're going to be throwing, throwing um, discs like a madman. Throwing farther? <clears throat> um, I think we're well over. Yeah, we're at like 208. But good conversation. Um, both teams kind of stayed put in power rankings. Um, I thought the CBS one, didn't the Yankees drop to like five and the Cardinals yeah, dropped to six? So the Cardinals were at six last week, though, so they stayed even at six, oh, and the okay. Yankees dropped from four to five. Okay. Um, and then on MLB, Cardinals stayed even at seven, and the Yankees dropped from two to four. So they're like – Right there, similar area where they were. You know, top five, Cardinals trying to crack in the top five. It'll be kind of tough. Um, I think both is pretty much a combination of Dodgers, Astros, Mets, Yankees, Braves were like the top five. Um, and I think MLB had, it, it was like Dodgers, Astros, Mets, Yankees, Braves, and CBS was Dodgers, Astros, Mets, Braves, Yankees. Um, and then I think... Padres Cardinals were six and seven on both sides. Um, CBS having Cardinals six, Padres seven, and then MLB having Padres six, Cardinals seven. Um, so pretty, pretty even understanding of where teams are at ranking wise. Um, a good handshake. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll see. Hopefully, Cardinals can continue to play some good baseball, win some series. Hopefully yep. the Yankees can start turning these one-run losses into one-run wins, if not more. Um, and we'll try to get back at it. I think we will be off next week, um, since we're going to take off every other week to kind of align episode 100 with like a playoff special at the beginning of October. Um, so we'll be off the 22nd and then back on the 29th um, for episode 97. Uh, so we're getting there. I think that that timing's right. 29th, off the 5th, 12th would be 98. Off the 19th, on the 26th would be 99. Yeah, and then the 3rd, which would be leading up to playoffs. Like, it'd be like fantasy baseball wrapping up, uh, playoffs wrapping up. We'd be in the midst of the rumble, a couple days left. Playoff picture should be all but known. And we'll we'll get into that, and maybe we'll we'll look at getting a guest or two for that. So October third, <clears throat> look forward to that. Um, yeah, so we'll keep everyone posted. Big updates next week, our next episode two weeks from now or whenever. 
uh, depending on when you listen to this, what I just say, the 22nd, no, 29th, <laughs> next week's 22nd, so so we'll be back, one 29th, the, 30th, one of those time frames, we'll record Monday or Tuesday like normal, um, anything else on your agenda? I guess Walker yeah. Bueller, Walker Bueller out for the year for the Dodgers could be Ooh. detrimental. Rough. Season ending yeah, elbow surgery. Whatever, dude. They got like nine guys over there. That, like, <laughs> yeah. So the and they traded Bad War. They traded Mitch White, and he was like doing pretty good too. Yeah, and I I haven't looked enough to see like what the injury is that he's having I ain't surgery. Definitely feeling bad for the Dodgers. <laughs> yeah. So I just don't know if how long he's out next year. Like I don't I don't think it's Tommy John. Um. But if recovery time is six months, like he could be, you know, it might not be until, you know, the start of the season that he's back to throwing. So he may be out until May or June, you know, like could be, could be detrimental. Um, He is, he is pretty good. Not that they don't have other good pitchers, but Walker Bueller is pretty good. So not having him in the rotation is a blow for sure. You know, and I'm a Dodgers fan now that I have three on my team, so. Sure. <laughs> um, just, you know, this is where I'm at now. My East Coast, West Coast, NLAL, that's what I do. They used to be in Brooklyn, so it's acceptable. Brooklyn! Um, you gotta say it like that, though. Brooklyn! I can't. I can't. I'm not Jay-Z. I can't say it like mm-hmm. that. It's fair. <laughs> um... But cool, yeah, a little longer. Thanks for sticking with us. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks. Probably a little longer episode then as well, since we'll have some more chit, chasing history, and ghosts and whatnot to cover. So, uh, thanks for tuning in. Until next time, stay cool. Bye, I'll miss you. Bye.